It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Great pleasure to be with you this weekend, as always. By the way, join us during the week. Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow. Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't make it at 4, text your favorite nine-year-old, and she'll show you how to DVR the show. And here, you can get us uh, on the Internet. You can live stream us, LarryCudlowShow.com, LarryCudlowShow.com. You hear us throughout the country, around the world, throughout the solar system, and even the Milky Way, whatever that happens to be. Anyway, let's do some stock market work, as always. And we have two distinguished guests. David Bonson is the founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group. He's the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. He's got a No Free Lunch video series. And Jim LeCamp, Senior Vice President Investments at Morgan Stanley. Two good friends of mine. David, what's the name of your new book? It's called Full-Time Work and the Meaning of Life, and it's a big uh, economic and theological defense of work. Defense of work. Jim LeCamp, you're in favor of work, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I've I've, I've decided to be kind of a contrarian, and um, I still believe in hard work and bootstraps and all that. It's good to hear Bonson on this work thing because I know you know he lives a very good lifestyle. He takes a lot of vacations and time off. His homes on the East Coast and the West Coast, so he's recommitting himself to work. And I wrote a blurb for this. When's this book coming out, David? It doesn't come out till February. I just submitted the manuscript. You know how that goes. The publisher has it. My wife will be thrilled to know uh, your version of my lifestyle because uh, she spent 22 years telling me that maybe I ought to work a little less than the 16 hours a day and 360 days a year I work. But I love your impression there, Larry. I know, 24-7, 24-7. Anyway, gentlemen, uh, start with you, Jim LeCamp. This is the fourth straight week of an S&P gain. Stock market, uh, let's see, year-to-date, the S&P is up 12%. Are we in a new bull market, Jim LeCamp? You know, this is why you have to watch the technicals, because the fundamentals aren't, they still aren't backing up the kind of move that we've seen in the market. But you have to respect the market itself. You have to watch the market action itself. There's been some rotation. We've seen some movement into the small caps. We're seeing uh, breadth start to broaden out, and we're seeing uh, names like uh, the energy stocks start to start to move. So, uh, even if the fundamentals don't back it up, and they don't, uh, you you still have to say, okay, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe there are other reasons the market is moving, uh, and there could be any number of reasons why the market is moving. For instance. We're seeing a sharp decline in inflation in China and a, a, a very sharp decline in their economy. That could mean uh, a weakening of the yuan. That would suggest uh, they would export deflation around the world, and that would be a boon for our technology stocks, which have rallied. We have uh, uh, some group leadership uh, now with the artificial intelligence and, again, the, the, the strength across the market. All that being said, you got to. You still have to be careful, and uh, there's three reasons. A, 
uh, we're, we're, we're overbought. I mean, we're more than two standard deviations away from the 50-day moving average. B, we're in that seasonal time frame, uh, that May through October, where we usually do get uh, more volatility in the stock market. And and C, um, earnings, uh, again, the, the fundamentals don't support it. Earnings uh, are, are in decline still. And it's really hard to argue at uh, 21 times anybody's expectations of earnings that you've got a tremendous amount of upside here. So we're kind of running a balanced portfolio now um, and and trying to be a little mm. nimble here right. because uh, you have this juxtaposition All of right. the fundamentals and technicals. Dave Bonson, what you think about this story? Bull market or continued bear market? I mean... It's funny, everyone talking about the most anticipated heralded recession ever, but we haven't seen it yet. We could talk about that, but um, it goes along with worries about the stock market. What do you think? Well, I think for listeners, I'll explain real quickly that when you talk about the S&P 500, you know, most of the time we're talking about it being what's called cap-weighted, where the biggest companies like Apple and Google are the biggest part of the index. And so that's just kind of what people mean by it. But then there's what they call even-weighted, where you just take all 500 companies and divide them evenly. Well, here's the thing. The cap-weighted has outperformed the even-weighted by the most since 2020, since COVID. Um, You have 10 companies that had been driving everything all year. And in the last week and a half, that started to change. And Jim referred to this, small caps, an increasing breadth. Um, a week ago, Friday, we had, uh, I think it was a 700-point move in the Dow, and you had 11 gainers in the market for every one decliner. That's really big breadth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the market's giving a different signal. Uh, I, it's funny, if we end up getting a recession, let's say, in uh, early 24, I'm wondering if it's the same recession that people were talking about in 21, or does it count as a different recession? Because if you predict a recession and it comes three years later, I don't really think that counts. That's that's an entirely different thing altogether. So I'm in my view, Larry, I've said on your show many times, I think we get a recession, and it's like the 2002 recession after dot-com blew up and after 9-11. It'll be a mild, short recession that most of the country doesn't know happened. Hmm. Um, but I think I think the Fed has acted recklessly, and I think what Jim just said a moment ago is the most important global macroeconomic story of the day, China exporting deflation. Last time we had an Asian economic powerhouse export deflation all over the world, uh, the 1990s were a pretty good decade for the United States. So that's a bullish point, you're saying. It, it might be bearish for China, but it's bullish for us. The problem is is that it's selectively bullish. People will not be able to just buy the S&P at 20 times earnings and make mm. money. It will be, it will be selective, and, and obviously I'm talking my book because that's what we do is try to be more selective. You know, Jim LeCamp, it's just interesting looking at sectors in the stock market. The SOX index, the chips, mm-hmm. year-to-date up 39%. The S&P 500 home builders year-to-date up 31%, and the S&P retailing year-to-date up 19.5%. Dow Transport's less so, but they're up 6.4%. I'm looking at those as economic indicators, again, with respect to the 
recession story. Mm-hmm. Those groups are talking about a strong economy, basically. So- chips, homes, retailers, and, and again, to a lesser extent, transports. But those things seem to say the economy is going to be just fine. Well, the the chips, it's an interesting point you bring up there, because the chips and the home builders are both plays on the idea that interest rates are going to come down. Technology tends to do better in a falling rate environment, and certainly home builders do. And if you look at the home builder, uh, the, the inventories out there, there is room for home building. Now, are they calls for a strong economy? That's hard to say, because if you had that, then you would see copper prices doing a little better. They've come back up a little bit, but the commodity, the CRB commodity index hasn't broken out. And energy is kind of bouncing along the bottom, and I'm bullish on energy here, but you're not seeing a strong move yet. So you're not seeing confirmation across the board. You're not seeing a plurality of economic improvement um, indicators all, all signaling the same thing. Uh, that said, uh, I, I do think that Wall Street is counting on interest rates coming down. The yield curve is still uh, very inverted. Uh, most, uh, if you look at the Fed funds futures, uh, they, they they suggest a hike in in July and then maybe a fall. You know, by the by the beginning of next year. So I think more than economic strength, it's a play on falling interest rates. Mm-hmm. And you could even argue if you're going to play on falling interest rates, that's a play on uh, continued economic weakness. Dave Bonson, the best performing area that I can find year to date is Bitcoin, up 59.9%. You loading up on Bitcoin? <laughs> well, as you know, I'm not. But we, we, but we have to, we have to be clear on the numbers. You know, it, when something is down still 59 percent from where it was a little over a year ago, the law of uh, small numbers can allow those percentages to move up. You know, it's interesting. Larry, all that move came in like the first six weeks of the year. It's kind yeah. of flat yeah. for the last three or four months. But, but you know, we're in the business of evaluating cash flows and internal rates of return. And I don't know if Bitcoin is going to zero or a hundred thousand. Um, I do know that the Beanie Babies don't trade very much anymore, and I don't see Bitcoin as having any val- more value than Beanie Babies. What I think is a, a really interesting thing right now is with this economic strength and weakness debate um, that we forget kind of option C. Not that the economy gets a lot stronger, that the economy gets a lot weaker, recessionary, but what about just this ongoing, flattish 1% growth? Right. On one hand, I think it's politically terrible. I think it's culturally awful for our country. It exacerbates divides and divisions. And yet, it seems to me to be the most likely economic scenario. That's what the bond market on the longer end of the curve is priced for most of my adult lifetime, mm. that we just simply aren't getting 5 6% yields on the 10 and the 30, because no one thinks we're going to get real growth. That, it, that makes it worthwhile. And I just don't understand why more people aren't talking about no, getting I think back to 3 to 4% real GDP growth. That's a great point. You know, uh, you had in 21, uh, the economy grew uh, close to 6%. So you had your COVID recovery. Uh, and you also had a lot of stimulus from fiscal and monetary policy. In 22, the economy was 0.9%. I'm measuring fourth over fourth here. Uh, the first quarter of 23, 
was a lousy 1.3 percent. Uh, I don't know. Second quarter is going to be one or two percent. Um, you, but it's politically. I mean, it's that's Joe Biden's uh, one of the polls. A good poll came out last week. The guys have got a 30, uh, 32 percent approval rating on the economy, something like that. 32, 33 percent approval on the economy. And people are not happy. You know, all the polls show that folks are not happy about this. And in some sense, Jim LeCamp, you know, bull versus bear. How about this? The stock market's just bobbing around. You know, it seems like it's, in a sense, directionless. I know it's up the last four weeks. It was down before that. It started the year strong. Then it kind of got slumpy. Last year, of course, was a very bad year. It's almost the same. This, the long-term rates, I want to talk about the Fedness in the second segment, but long, you know, rates are bobbing around, the stock market's bobbing around, mm-hmm. and the economy's bobbing around not far from the bottom. It's a very strange stagnation kind of uh, situation. Well, the one term you two didn't use, but you did describe perfectly, was malaise. Yeah. And we haven't heard that yeah. phrase since yeah. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And how interesting is that we have the most Jimmy Carter-ish president that we've had since Jimmy Carter right now. And if you look at the, the time frame um, that Jimmy Carter was part of, it was several bad economic presidents in a row, really. It was LBJ, Nixon, Ford, and then Carter. You had mm-hmm. a stock market in that time frame that bounced all over the place mm-hmm. and and led up to runaway inflation as well. And uh, now that we're not in this 40-year bull market in bonds that we had from 1982 to about a year and a half ago, uh, you may see more of a stock market that bounces around like you just described, Larry. You may see a market that is more like the 68 to 82 market than what we've seen in the 40 years uh, post-1982. And in which case, uh, a sector selection and stock selection is going to be extremely important. Mm. That's a good point, the malaise point. We add that, you're right, uh, the Dow always bobbing around a 1,000 but couldn't break through. Reagan comes in, by the way, during the Reagan years, uh, stock market was up 12-fold. Pretty cool yep. stuff. Anyway, we'll take a break. David Bonson of the Bonson Group and Jim LeCamp of Morgan Stanley. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stocks with David Bonson, founder of the Bonson Group, and Jim LeCamp of uh, Morgan Stanley. David Bonson has a new book coming out, but he won't tell us the title of it. Does it have a title? Full-time work and the meaning of life. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it had a title. That's good. Jim LeCamp, you ever write, ever written a book? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I did those newsletters for so long that people asked me to write a book, and I've, I've got pages and pages of stuff written, uh, but I have not completed it. And everybody that has written one, uh, and David, maybe you can give me some advice on this, says don't. <laughs> yeah, I've written yeah. a couple. Uh, I guess I've written three. Um, it's a pain in the ass. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> But I'll tell you this, worse than writing it is selling it. Selling yes. it is such... I mean, David, 
what do you think? Selling a book is a really hard thing to do. You know, it's funny. My first book was on the financial crisis, and I, uh, Jim may not know this, I was a managing director at Morgan Stanley for 10 years, and I, I was there through the financial crisis. And I thought it was like this really fascinating book. My perspective was very different than a lot of people's on the financial crisis, but I was a no-name author, and, and uh, I worked so hard to get that book sold. Of course, I had to leave Morgan Stanley before I could actually publish the book, but <laughs> it came out, and, and it did really well. But you're right, Larry, you work so hard, and then when another book comes out, it's like you're starting all over. You know, yeah. you don't get to just go, you know, I think Hillary Clinton sold like 6 million copies of one book and then mm. sold 200,000 of the next book. You just kind of, mm. it, it's a lot of work. Yeah, 200,000. Uh, 199,999 were sold through the Clinton Foundation. But anyway, let's yeah. not go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, David brings up an interesting point. If you're working for a, a, a big firm, which I do, uh, the book that that you could get cleared is a quite quite a different book than what you would write if you didn't work for a big firm. And so, part of me uh, has has said, you know, maybe when I retire, if I ever do retire, that that would really be the better time to write a book. Yeah, better time to write a book. Um, Jim LeCamp, what's the interest rate outlook? What's your Fed outlook? One more hike probably in July, and after that, nothing uh, for the rest of the year and cuts probably in January. So nothing, they will pause next week? Is that the inference? Yeah, nothing next week. Um, they, they, they'll, they'll use language that doesn't suggest that it's a pivot. It's just a wait and see. Uh, and I, I think you'll see another hike uh, because inflation has really been a lot stickier than anybody thought it would be, and uh, so I and 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 they're they're going to have to deal with some of the commodity prices that have, have remained very sticky as well. So I think a quarter of a point hike in July, and that's it. Uh, David, ten-year um, note is three seventy-four. It's kind of bobbed around. Year-to-date, it's down 14 basis points. I think it got as low as 330-something. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, where's that going, do you think? Well, if you're talking about, you know, three to five years out, it's going back to 2%, I hate to say. Uh, but in the, in, in the short term, I think it's going to stay in the three uh, three and a half range. Mm-hmm. And all of that is on the theme that we were all three talking about before the break. Uh, you use the term stagnation, and, and, and Jim was talking about the kind of 1966 to 81 period in the stock market. The term I use with clients all the time, I've actually written a lot about, is Japanification. Mm. And I just think mm-hmm. the, long end of our, the long end of our bond curve, we're not doing yield curve control. Okay? They stopped quantitative easing. They've been doing quantitative tightening. And all four times now, four times since 2008 that we stopped quantitative easing, Bond deals went lower, not higher, on the long end. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. If you if you buy the Milton Friedman M2, if you buy it, rates are coming down a lot. It's just a fascinating thing. Dave Bonson, thank you, buddy. Jim LeCamp, many thanks. Appreciate it. Folks, quick break. Now the side, we're going to do some money and politics with the great Liz Peake and the great Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back in a bit. 